You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 80 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host Bart Bouchotts and this is the show for May 2020. Well it's a solo show this month so just little old me talking to you Um, and it's actually a show that was uh, inspired by a throwaway comment I guess within last month's show with Kirk McElhern where we were, well well, not I say we, where Kirk was evangelizing the photographer Michael Kenna. And we vaguely mentioned the uh, rule of thirds, and I think it's fair to say Kirk is not a fan. And I sort of vaguely tried to defend it a little bit, um, but it wasn't a topic that re- we really got too deep into, because ultimately that's not what the show was about. The show was about, you know, Michael Kenneth's great work. But it, I've been thinking about it since, really, and I, I understand why people detest the rule of thirds. Uh, but I think that's too strong. I, I think that's that's unfair. So I wanted to give my own sort of nuanced look at the rule of thirds. Um, and really, you know, is it good or is it bad? Maybe. Um, so let's, let's start by saying what it is. Um, so if you can imagine your field of view, And you draw two horizontal lines across your field of view, one a third of the way up from the bottom, and one a third of the way down from the top. And then you do the same thing vertically, so a vertical line a third of the way in from the left, and one a third of the way in from the right, and then you get the classic rule of thirds grid. And you've probably seen that all over the place. Many cameras will pop it over the viewfinder, um, many photography apps will show it to you in various contexts. Very often on the Apple stuff, if you enable cropping, then all of a sudden the, grid, the rule of thirds grid appears. It, it's pretty ubiquitous. And the theory goes, if you believe the rule of thirds, that you should do one or more of these three things. So you can use that grid to place your strongest horizontal element of your composition along one of those horizontal lines. So a classic example would be the horizon. Um, and the logic sort of go, well, it's not just logic, it's, it's kind of a good thing. Unless you have reflections, you probably actually don't want your horizon in the middle of your composition, probably, right? Um, I, I do not want to speak in absolutes, but probably you don't. And so you're going to want to prioritize ground or sky. Um, So if you're shooting a landscape with this amazing panoramic sky, this stunning skyscape above, well, it's not actually a bad idea to plop that horizon around about the one-thirds up from the bottom line. So you have some ground and then your shot is dominated by this amazing sky. A lot of the time in your landscapes, you definitely want some sky, but you probably want not half your shot to be sky. In which case, you may want to put the horizon on the upper rule of thirds line-ish, kinda. 
That's the logic. That's the theory, anyway. Um, and it doesn't have to be the horizon, right? Depending on what you're taking pictures of, your strongest horizontal element could be anything. It could be the base of a house, whatever it is. It's something strong and horizontal. It will... The idea being you'll get a, a harmonious feeling composition if you plop that on one of those third lines. Same sort of logic goes for the vertical elements in your composition. So if you have something with a strong vertical element, then you should align that on one of the two vertical lines in the rule of thirds grid. That's sort of how the theory goes anyway. So you can imagine you have a tree or something, a nice strong vertical element. Well, you plop the tree approximately on the rule of thirds vertical line, and you will hopefully get a harmonious composition. And then the other very important part of the grid is where the lines meet. It's like as you four points where these parallel lines in both directions meet. And those are the places where you, according to the the rule, you put focal points. So maybe the center of a flower or something, you know, something that has a clear center, you plop that center at these crossing points, give you a strong composition. That's the theory. So... What is the rule of thirds? Well, I would say it is three guidelines that may help you create a more pleasing composition. Guidelines. Not laws, not rules, guidelines. And arguably they're guidelines in a very physical sense. They're lines drawn to guide you in composing your shot. So they really are literal guidelines. But don't, this isn't... We call it the rule of series because it's a snappy name, but it's not like, you know, Einstein's laws of relativity or whatever. You know, E really does equal mc squared. You don't really have to put the horizon exactly to the pixel on the grid lines or whatever, right? It is three guidelines that may help you create a more composition, a more pleasing composition. May. What it is, is that very weak-sounding, wishy-washy, three guidelines that might be helpful. What is it not? Uh, I'm just going to stress this again. It's not a rule. It's absolutely, positively not a rule. It's also not an exact formula. So, the word rule implies a level of mathematical precision that just isn't appropriate, isn't relevant, isn't fair, isn't right. It isn't, it's not how it's meant. It's approximately a third of the way up. Approximately a third of the way in from the left. Approximate. And the fact that these grid lines are drawn as sharp grid lines might lead you to think that you need to put that horizon exactly along that line. Or you need to put the exact centre of that tree trunk exactly down that vertical line. No. Part of me wishes you had drawn the rule of thirds grid as like uh, some sort of fuzzy out of focus line. You know, there are approximations. Close. Really is close enough. They're not exact, precise rules. Guidelines. Guidelines, guidelines, guidelines. Not rules. The other really important thing is that the rule of thirds is not some kind of universal truth. It's not, it is not the case that every pleasing composition 
follows the rule of thirds. It's also not a case that the rule of thirds is always going to give you the right answer. So really right. There are many pleasing compositions that these three guidelines can lead you towards. So they may prove extremely useful in a number of situations. And in fact, they do. I regularly make use of one or more of these three guidelines to build a composition that I find pleasing and I find it helpful. But it is so far from true that every photograph I post obeys the rule of thirds because that's patently, patently not true. So it is not a universal truth. It's a guideline that may help you in some situations. There are literally an infinity of other compositions that will give wonderful photographs that in no way have anything to do with one third of anything. So it is not a universal truth. It's not like Einstein's rules of kinematics or whatever, right? F really does equal MA. The rule of thirds is not synonymous with a good composition. You can't look at a photograph and say, oh, that composition's terrible, it doesn't obey the rule of thirds. Likewise, you can't look at a photograph and say, oh, that composition's great, it does obey the rule of thirds. Might be true. There are definitely great compositions that do, and there are definitely great compositions that don't. You can't use it to judge whether or not a composition is good. A composition is good if it feels good. And if the rule of thirds helps you to create a good an appropriate feeling composition, well then, hey, use it, great, it's done its job. And I was sort of saying appropriate feeling because what if you're attempting to convey a feeling of uncomfortableness? What if you're attempting to convey a feeling of tension? What if you're attempting to convey a sense of symmetry? Well, if your intent is to create symmetry, and the rule of thirds is useless to you. It, it, it's counterproductive, in fact, because one of the reasons the rule of thirds is particularly useful to particularly beginner photographers is that if we don't think about things, I think our natural reaction is to always put the subject in the middle. Right? I am taking a picture of this thing. My camera has a finite field of view. I must put the thing in the middle of this finite resource. That is that is where I think every beginning photographer starts out. And the rule of thirds is really useful to nudge people away from that default unthinking starting point that we probably all start with. So particularly for beginning photographers, that rule of thirds grid can be really helpful to nudge a constant in-your-face reminder while you're looking through the viewfinder don't just put everything into the middle of the, of, you know, don't center on the screen, which I guess you can just put it on the middle of the box in the middle of the grid and then it hasn't achieved anything. But anyway, let's assume that, you know, you're talking to your beginner friend, you show them how to enable the rule of thirds grid in their camera and you encourage them to move the, the, the center point of their composition towards one of the four meeting points, or you encourage them to move the horizon to one of the two parallel lines. But don't 
don't don't tell them to slavishly follow it right encourage them and it could be just a nice reminder to break out of the default unthinking put it in the middle approach but if what you're trying to capture is a sense of symmetry well then the rule of thirds isn't just useless it's worse than useless it's counterproductive it will ruin the effect you're trying to create it will undo it will fight against you it will hinder you in the creative process so it is not a universal truth do not feel that it will always give a good composition no it's a way to get to a good composition in some situations there are many situations where it will be counterproductive it's also frankly not universally applicable because i particularly in a square frame i often find it very good or in a 5x7, or a 4x3, or even a 6x4. So the, 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 the less extreme aspect ratios, the closer to square aspect ratios, I've, I often find it works quite well. But as you start to make things a little bit more extreme, as you start to get towards your, your widescreen aspect ratio, 16 to 9, it doesn't work so good anymore. Um, if you have even even just at sixteen to nine, which is far from an extreme aspect ratio, right? If you extreme aspect ratios are panoramic shots, where you use the amazing pano features of modern cameras or the amazing stitching functionality of modern editors to create panoramic aspect ratios, well, then the rule of thirds becomes excruciatingly silly, because if the, if your landscape that you're taking a panorama have of has a dominant vertical element and you put it one third of the way into a panorama it looks like you don't know what you're doing because you have this massive space to the right of it and this even massiver space to the left or vice versa it looks accidental it looks arbitrary it looks stupid almost certainly so the more extreme the aspect ratio the less helpful that the rule of thirds becomes to the point where i certainly say that anything 16 to 9 and wider it's probably not helpful in terms of aligning certainly aligning vertical elements in a wide pano or horizontal elements in a tall pano either way around on the extreme axis it ceases to be helpful now within an even extreme panorama having your horizon at the one third up or one third down is actually probably still fine but on the left right axis on a panoramic aspect ratio the rule of thirds becomes ever more stupid but then maybe the crossing points are still useful. So it all swings around the best. But it's definitely not universally applicable. It definitely has real limitations and more extreme aspect ratios are definitely a limitation. Um, Something I... Actually, I'm making this up as I go along. I do have show notes and they will be at letstashtalk.ie um, but I'm going off script here for a moment. Um, Something that just occurs to me where I really love the rule of thirds and I combine it with another... I don't... I don't know if it has a fancy name. But when you're balancing compositions, I think that anything that looks in a specific direction, even vaguely, like a flower looks one way, even though it doesn't have eyes. If you put something that's looking diagonally in your shot, if you put it in, say say it's looking down and to the left. Well, if you put it on the upper right of the four crossing points for the grid lines, 
you will often get an extremely harmonious composition because you've given the butterfly slash flower slash person slash whatever lots of room to look into and you've taken the subject off center so it's not boring uh, and it can be very harmonious so I do like that but again the more extreme the aspect ratio that starts to break down again so it's right, not universally applicable so before I give my final thoughts let's just recap a little bit here so it is three guidelines to help you create more pleasing compositions it is sorry three guidelines that may help you create a more pleasing composition may it is absolutely positively not a rule it is definitely not an exact formula it is an you know approximately pop at around about the one third point not exactly approximately close enough is close enough it is absolutely not a universal truth it is not a case that all good compositions obey the rule of thirds and it is not the case that obeying the rule of thirds will always give you a good composition and the rule of thirds breaks down when you push it into extreme scenarios so it is not universally applicable either not a universal truth not universally applicable not a formula not a rule guideline 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 might be helpful sometimes okay so I'm going to end my jumping, just in case you don't think I was high enough up on my soapbox already. I'm going to jump up a little bit higher. So my final thoughts I've sort of summed up as three bullet points, right? I think it is very valuable for every photographer to have the rule of thirds as one of the arrows in your proverbial quiver or one of the tools in your proverbial creative toolbox. And maybe it's when you break out a lot. Maybe it's when you only break out every now and then. But I think everyone should have it in their toolbox and should break it out as and when it results in a photograph that is pleasing. Ultimately, that's that's all you're trying to do. You're trying to make photographs that achieve your goal at that moment. If you want to make people feel uncomfortable and the photograph makes people feel uncomfortable, you have succeeded. You want to make a pleasing, harmonious ah sort of a landscape well then uh, if your composition feels cramped or if your composition feels uneasy then you failed and really it doesn't matter whether you're following the rules of thirds or not if if your photograph doesn't achieve what you want to achieve it's a failure if it does it's a success if the rule of thirds helps you get there great if not so what and a lot of the time or quite often at least it will help you so it's good to have it at your disposal as and when it proves helpful. The thing is, when you do use it, treat it as a rough guideline. Don't don't measure it. Well, you know, by all means show the grid. But don't feel that because the line on the grid is very fine that your alignment needs to be exact, that you absolutely have to put the horizon exactly on that one thirds line. Or the nose of the train exactly one-third of the way in one of the crossing points. No, it's just a guide. So if you're approximate, near enough, grand, don't don't stress over being exact about it. Don't pixel peep. And the absolute, absolute, absolute most important thing that I just want to repeat and repeat and then repeat a little bit more is that 
you should never allow the rule of thirds to feel constraining. You should never allow it to hold you back. The whole point of having these kind of tools in your toolbox is to help you to get over a creative slump, to give you a starting point when you, you know, that you don't have to think too hard about. Some way to get going, to get the creative juices flowing, something to kickstart, to nudge you towards a nice composition. But if it ever starts to feel like it's holding you back, well, then ignore it. Like, totally, utterly ignore it. Never, ever, ever let these kind of guidelines constrain you. Never let them hold you back. Never let them make you feel like you shouldn't do this. I shouldn't share this picture because the subject is smack dab in the centre. Well, if that subject is a round flower that you've shot face on, then maybe a square composition with the flower exactly centred is perfect. Maybe that captures everything exactly the way you want it. If you have a reflection of a rainbow or whatever, centre it. Perfectly centre it. Have it so that the horizon is smack dab in the middle of the image and that the middle of the image goes smack dab through the height of the arch of the rainbow and through the low point of the reflection of the arch in the rainbow. Centre it perfectly and you'll probably have an amazing shot. Don't feel that you should somehow shove the rainbow off to the left or to the right or up or down by a third because, well, the rule of thirds said I should. It's not a constraint. It It should only help you when you need the help and if it ever gets in the way, ignore it. Don't even think twice about it. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter in this photograph. Don't ever let these kind of guidelines constrain you. They're supposed to be helpful tools They're not supposed to be straitjackets. They're not supposed to be handcuffs. They're not supposed to be... They're not supposed to constrain you. They're not supposed to hold you back. They're not supposed to limit you. They're supposed to do the opposite. They're supposed to help you to get out of a rut. They're supposed to help you when you can't quite figure out what to do with this shot. It's a great starting point where you're like, not working. I don't... It's not happening. Try crop to a rule of thirds. And maybe that works better and if it does okay maybe stop there or maybe it's just enough to get you started and then you can go a little bit further from there so that's my thinking on the rule of thirds um i still call it the rule of thirds even though i'm really quite adamant it's not a rule because it's sort of a catchy title and if anyone can recommend if anyone can suggest a better term to use for the rule of thirds that doesn't involve the word rule I actually would love to hear that. That actually would be really cool. Um, so maybe you could go to lessdashtalk.ie and send me some feedback with your suggestions for a an alternative phrase that's equally as communicative and equally as clear as the rule of thirds that doesn't imply that it's some sort of law of the universe. Be, could be interesting. So anyway, I can't think of any, but maybe I'm just not imaginative enough. Okay, well, speaking of lessdashtalk.ie, There will be show notes there. To be honest, today, they're not particularly useful for this episode. Sometimes they contain lots of links and lots of photographs and things. They they just contain the bullet points that I was using to jot down my important thoughts to record this. It's not a script. It's just some important points. But what is there is A, all the other episodes we've ever had with all of their show notes, some of which are useful. And also... 
three big blue buttons under a heading support the show. Um, Particularly in these troubled and unusual times, I want to take a moment. I said three buttons. It's actually five buttons. I should really learn to count. Anyway, in these troubled times, I really want to underline the fact that I don't want anyone to feel even the teensiest of weensiest of tiniest of bits guilty about not financially supporting some guy on the internet yakking into a microphone. Because frankly, that's all this is, right? It's, it is not important in the grand scheme of things. I really like doing these podcasts. I believe some of you really like listening. If there's anyone listening who doesn't, why are you listening? Go listen to something else, something more in line with your, your thinking. Anyway, it, I like doing it, and I am in a situation where I need this podcast to break even, but that's long-term, right? If, it, if for 2020 it doesn't work out, I can probably swallow some costs for a couple of months while we go through this weirdness. But under no circumstances whatsoever should anyone put themselves through any sort of financial hardship in order to support this show. That would make me feel really bad. So don't do it. Also, those of you who have been supporting the show in the past, right, if you, if your reality has changed, if you were in a position where you could comfortably contribute and now you're not, I am not going to be cranky if you stop contributing to the show. What I am going to be is really grateful that when you could, you did, and perhaps hopeful that when things become a bit more normal again, goodness knows when, and your situation improves, and you once again can, that you would consider once again doing. But I'm really grateful for everyone who has supported the show. And if you need to stop, well then stop. Don't think twice about it. Don't don't feel bad about it. Don't feel guilty about it. it. I'm just a guy yakking into a mic. You need to feed your family. You need to feed yourself. You need to look after yourself. Do not feel bad. Probably overstressing the point, but you get what I mean. Those of you who support the show, I appreciate it very, very much. Those of you who want to but can't, you can't. Don't worry about it. What you can do, though, is support the show in non-financial ways. Um, It, it is... It is a simple fact that the more people listen, the more people will hear the show, like the show, and be in a position to support the show financially. So telling people about the show is actually supporting the show financially, because if 1% of 500 people support the show, and you help turn that into 1% of 5,000 people, well, that's 1% just got a hell of a lot bigger, didn't it? So that's why I keep saying, if you can't support the show financially, but you want to help... Just spread the word. Tell your friends about the show in real life. Mm, can't really do that at the moment. Tell your friends about the show online, digitally. Review it in podcast app of your choice. Tweet about it. Share it on that Facebook place I don't go near. It, it all really helps. Um, In terms of financial support, Patreon is a really, really efficient way to give a small dollar amount every month. It will be exactly two shows a month, one Apple, one photography. So if you would like me to have two of your dollars every month, pledge one dollar per show. I'll get two dollars a month that way. If you want to give me five dollars a month, pledge two fifty. You get the idea, divide by two. 
Uh, there are also referral links to DigitalOcean and Hover.com. DigitalOcean do uh, hosting, basically, virtual machines and so forth, cloud hosting of various sorts. If you're the kind of geeky, nerdy person who needs such things, then you may find them a very good use. DigitalOcean are what hold uh, letstashtalk.ie on the air and bartby.ie and pretty much everything I do, to be honest, is on DigitalOcean and I like them a lot. If you use a referral link and if you stay with them long enough to spend $50, you get some free credit from them and I get some free credit from them. And last month's hosting was entirely free to me because someone's referral link matured and I got credit, which covered hosting of this site for a month. It was great. So thank you. There's also a referral link to Hover, who do our domain registrars. If you need to register domains, I really like Hover. Um, I use them for all of the domains I can uh, for various reasons I'm really not going to get into. They can't do .ie, so I can't use them for let's-talk.ie, but I use them for all of my .orgs, all of my .coms, and lots and lots and lots of domains. Uh, And finally, I should mention that if you want to make a one-off donation, that's what PayPal's good for. It's terrible for small, regular amounts because PayPal fees, if you give me a dollar donation via PayPal, PayPal genuinely take almost half. I think it's 43 cent on the dollar. Whereas if you donate $10 once a year, then Facebook take about 79 cent and the rest makes it to me. So PayPal is great for making sporadic, rare, larger donations and Patreon is really efficient at making small, regular contributions. And they're both extremely helpful to me. The bigger PayPal donations help me to do one-off costs like software and hardware. And the Patreon constant flow of money helped me pay the constant flow of bills. Anyway, I have now rattled on for more than long enough. Um, So I'm going to say thank you for listening. I hope you found this enjoyable. And until next time, stay safe. And as and when you can, happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi, this is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and anything related to those technologies um, with my, along with my co-host, Warren Sklar. Um, we in depth with a lot of great things that relates to iOS and and its technologies. I'd love to give you to give it a listen. Uh, you can find us at intouchwithios.com or we are in Apple Podcasts or any uh, podcatcher will be able to find us. Um, but uh, give us a listen. We'd love to have you listening to uh, those great technologies and relating to iOS. Thanks. Thanks.